Well, God bless you, and welcome to this time that we have together to share the Word of God. I want you to look, um, take your Bible or take your phone app, whatever, and go to Joshua chapter 6. And let me tell you why you going there and not simply just looking there is powerful. And I really believe, by the way, that having your physical Bible can be the most powerful thing you do because you interact with it, you make marks in it, and it really is something to kind of trigger something in your heart. But the Word of God is literally the breath of God according to the Word of God. It's called the inspired Word of God. Inspiration in the Greek means God breathed. So the Bible is not just a religious book like other religious books. It is the God-breathed revelation of God himself. That's why it's said to be living and active. When you read it, sometimes you notice, well, I read that before, but I never noticed that. You know what that is? That is Holy Spirit applying that scripture to your situation in that moment. And when he does that, and he gives you some insight into it, that's called a rima word from God. Now, that might be foreign to you. It is. It's a Greek word. But it means a word from the word. So the Greek has two words, logos and rima. Logos is the word itself. Rima is a word from the word. So when you're reading, when you're engaged in the word of God, he speaks to you and he gives you, go, this is for you. This is how I'm speaking to you in this moment. Amen? So let's just, let's just allow Holy Spirit of God to speak to us. Let's welcome him in this place. Joshua was a leader, but he didn't want to be a leader. In fact, if you read the first chapter of Joshua, if you go back and you remember that, that he really resisted that. He felt like he was inadequate. Can I just say inadequacy in leading is in some ways the first qualification for leading? If you're overconfident and you're proud, you might be successful, but God can't use you. You see, God does something. He said, I, you know, I, I work with the humble. And the word humble in the Greek is a word that means when the water runs low. And you have to, you have to go there. You know, you have to go there with God. You have to say, God, just I want you to use me. And you don't have to be, when that term comes up, it doesn't mean that you're going to, to, you know, change nations. It just simply means in my sphere, in the realm in which you've given me, let me influence people for the glory of God. That's really all it means. Don't make it bigger than it has to be. Don't feel inadequate because you're not leading on some grand scale. Remember, Jesus chose 12 men. One of them betrayed him. He only had 11 that were with him. And he never tried to see how big a crowd he could get because he knew that you can change the world with 11 committed people. Amen? I came to across this quote. It says, lead with integrity, disregard the impossible, and do something extraordinary. I want to just take that apart for you for a moment. Lead with integrity. What would integrity look like in your life, in your leading? Would it mean just another hour's worth of work? Would it mean praying for your workers, your coworkers, your colleagues? What would leading with integrity, you make that application. And then as you do that, then disregard the impossible. We're held back so many times at what we can't do. 
And most of what those, those tapes that we play in our head are, they're tapes from childhood where somebody told us we couldn't. We believed it, and we lived it out in our daily life. I think Joshua played those tapes. He saw Moses, this great leader. Now God says, you're going to lead, and he's playing the tape. I can't do this. I am no Moses. I don't look like Moses. I don't sound like Moses. I don't have the the background, the pedigree. I have nothing that Moses had. How on earth can you use me? That's an old tape. There are old tapes playing right now. You're You're making the application in your mind. You're going, I do that. I do that. I've done that my whole life, be honest with you. I go back to childhood. I replay that tape. And then I, have to, then I have to force myself out of it. I don't just naturally go, okay, all's good. No, I have, to for, I have to fight my way out of old tapes in my life. And with old tapes comes guilt, feelings of inadequacy, insufficiency, hopelessness. All of those things are just wound up in all that stuff. I want you just to drop it for a moment and say, God, I want to create a new tape. Can you say that? I want to create a what? A new tape. So disregard the impossible and do something extraordinary. Do something extraordinary. What would it look like for you to do extraordinary things in your life? That's what that word means. Extraordinary things. Do you know what the ordinary is? What would a little extra look like on that? My wife made fajitas last night. Could barely get my ring on this morning from all the salt. You know what I'm talking about, amen? That's when you know it's good. Preserved, clearly I'll float in a tsunami. I mean, it's all's good. But you know, I, I, I like to get it spicy. You know what I mean? I like spicy. That's why I married Tammy. I got spicy over there. So, you know, she heats it all up. She puts the peppers in there, and then I get the hot sauce, and I shake the hot sauce on there, put the peppers on there, get it all fiery, you know, and, and you know, it's always good going down, right? <laughs> then it hits your stomach, and it's like, you know, a bomb went off in there. You go, oh, that's okay. You got to disregard some things in your life and move on. You know, last year, uh, as we found ourselves in the middle of, uh, of this uh, supposedly pandemic, and I just say that supposedly pandemic, I, it, I don't really know what it was. It wasn't, they called it COVID, so it would scare me. <laughs> called it flu, I go, ah, I just got the flu. COVID, sounds like something out of Star Wars, doesn't it? But we decided that we would do something extraordinary. And we would start a news media outlet called American Faith. And God has really blessed it. In fact, I've had multiple people tell me, I can't believe how quickly and how much traction this has got. Chris Ruddy has become a friend. He's the founder and president of Newsmax. They have 25 million views of their webpage on a daily basis. They have 34 writers, and they've been doing this for 20 years. When I gave him our stats, he said, you'll probably pass Newsmax in five years. Because we have about close to 3 million page views, about 60,000 daily subscribers on a news group, media group, that has actually got a Judeo-Christian worldview base. 
And we have another gala coming up. I want you to see this. You can actually take a picture of that QR code, and you can get a table or a seat today if you want. But we have Dennis Prager. And the reason I bring this to you, because Dennis Prager is such a large footprint in this conservative world, and, and, and I, I'm just so glad to have him. And then we're already wait, working on next year. We've already reached out to Candace Owens for next year. So I just began to, I, I think with the 10-year anniversary, I think I, I just said, you know, let's just go for it. Let's just go for as many things as we can. Let's not pull back. Um, we just, uh, we'll make it official, but we just hired a kindergarten teacher to begin to expand our, our, our school. And then on Monday, we're, we're having, or Tuesday, we're having a Zoom call to talk about expanding that into a learning center through all grades. So we're, we're just going to go for it, see what God does. And, and, and I think if we don't try, if we don't do it in this season, because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not moving to Nashville. I'm not moving to Idaho. I'm not going to Texas. I've been to all those places. Bob, boo. I'm not going. Now you say, well, I'm thinking about it. Well, go. Crowds, highways are too crowded. We need some space around here. Amen. We got 40 million people. You think we're going to miss a few? Now I'll miss you, of course. But I really believe, you know, and we said it last week, Sean Foyt said it really well last week, that, no, this is ground that's rich with revival, California. And I'm not going to back off because the enemy puts pressure on me. I'm just going to step up. Amen? And I think that's what you do. So let me, let me give you a couple of key points. These, uh, if you have the church app, you can, all my notes are on there. You can uh, access them. Hopefully those got up this morning. But if not, I want you to just take screenshots. Uh, you can shoot pictures of them or you can make notes. But here's the first thought I want you to, to lock into your mind. Don't let the impossible stop you from reaching your dream. You see, we're born dreamers, aren't we? We dream of great things. We are wonderfully just made by God to, to look into the impossible and say, why not? Nobody's better than that than children. They, they get that ability, and yet somehow over time, we stop becoming such dreamers, and we start living in what they call reality. I don't want to live in reality. I want to live in the dream that God has put in our hearts and see what God can do. Amen? So don't let the impossible say, well, it's just not possible. Of course it is. Of course it's possible. Why isn't it? You know, and people, normally when they try to do this, they start putting, the, they do the pros and the con list. You've ever done the pro, the con? The love, the hate, pro, the con, all those kind of things. And what I've discovered is everybody starts with what they love. Well, I love to do this. This is the pros. These are all the pros. Then they go to the negatives, and then they have find, and they end with every reason why they can't do it. So what I've learned is to flip those. I make a list of everything that I can't do that's not possible. And then I make a list. The second list then is what I want to do, what, it, what I would dream to do, what I want to see happen. And now the last thing in my mind is not what I can't do, but it's what I can do. And then I take the, the can'ts and I throw that list away and I go with the can list, the what I want to see, the dream list. I'm just going to say, how do I make these things happen? 
And out of that list, maybe there's five things on there. I go, what is the one thing that is most important to me on there? What is the one thing I resonate with the most on that? What is the passion level? What is the, what is the hunger level? What would I really like to see happen? And I focus all my attention on building strategy around that one thing. And I'm telling you, it's a key. It is the key to moving forward. Imagine the dreams that must have been poured into the life of Joshua as they marched through the wilderness for 40 years. All they heard about were going to a place and that was described in the Bible as a land filled with milk and honey. And somehow that's appealing. I don't even know what that means, but it's filled with milk and honey, right? It's like the ultimate vacation. You, you have to wait 40 years to get there but it's in their hearts and they're just breathing, they're thinking, I can't wait to get there. And finally, the baton is handed to Joshua, they cross the Jordan and now he's looking at Jericho and he's saying to himself, if I'm gonna get to the land of milk and honey, I have to get rid of that enemy right there. This was the Canaanites. These were the ones that, that literally burned their children alive to their gods. This was some of the worst of the worst human beings on planet Earth. And it was a symbol of Canaanite power. Jericho was a stronghold. There are in your life some strongholds that are symbols of why you can't get where you want to get. You've got to break the stronghold down in Jesus' name in order to make advancements into the future that you want for your life. You can't do that unless you do that. Jericho was securely shut up. Because the children of Israel, none went out, none came in. When I read that, I think about a quote from General Patton when he talked about tank warfare being introduced to the U.S. military, and they talked about fortresses, and he said, a fortress is a monument to the futility of man. Anything you can build and fortify can be broken down. And that's why his whole mindset was keep moving and attack, attack, attack. You've got to keep moving. There's some fixed fortresses in your mind right now, some old tapes that you can't get anywhere because you're trying to beat that. It has to crumble before you can move forward. And it says, the Lord said to Joshua, see, look, I want you to look at it Look at it, look at it, stare down your enemies, stare down your problems. I have given Jericho into your hand. It's already yours, Joshua. It is yours. Now, all the thing that had to happen, God believed that. Now, Joshua just had to believe that. There are promises throughout the word of God. You just have to believe them. They're yours. They're for you. He said, I've given it to your hand. It's king. It's mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You see, the craziest things come out of God's mouth. Really, God? You want me to march around the city? And what's going to happen? Well, the walls are going to fall down, Joshua. And then it's going to be a natural siege ramp, and you're going to run right up the hill. You're going to wipe out the city. You're going to burn the city with fire, and you're going to keep moving. And that's the plan. That's the plan. In the 1950s, an uh, archaeologist, British archaeologist named Kenyon, uh, was doing some research because a, an earlier archaeologist in the 1910s and 20s 
said that 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 was not that Joshua uh, did not do that. It was it was a story made up in the Bible, and uh, and the timing was all wrong. Kenya went in there in the fifties. She began to do to dig work in these these tells. They're called a tell. These big mounds are called tells, and you kind of slice them like a piece of cake. And you go in there, you see what all these layers are. And she discovers not only did she discover the right layer. She also discovered barley. It said it came in the spring when all the barley uh, jars would be filled, these giant jars that would hold the grain. And she discovered all those, and they were burned with fire, and it validated completely the book of Joshua. Now, I don't need an archaeologist to convince me the Bible is true, but it's kind of nice when they give you a little bit of stuff. Amen? All right. You see, the difficult is not the impossible. I think what happens is things are hard, and so we stop. It's just hard. I don't know how I'm going to do it. That's the problem? It's just hard? I, I, you know, the voices of, of, of my dad always ring in my head. I remember one time he was working on something, and, and I couldn't do it, and he was, I think it was fixing a bicycle or something. I didn't know how to do it. And I'm watching him. And he looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm watching you. No, I don't want you to watch me. I want you to do something, even if it's dumb. Just do something. And, I, and that always hits me. Like when I'm watching other people do something, I'm saying, I need to do something. Right? I'm not going to watch you work. I'm going to watch you do something. I'm going to get involved. If I can't help you in that project, I'm going to create a project because I think we have to stay engaged in life. Amen? You know, and God blesses the momentum. You, have you ever noticed how you start something and it seems like it goes better, but when you don't do it, you just sit back in fear and say, what can't happen? Just move forward. There's something about momentum in the kingdom. And the problem is a lot of people are stuck in inertia. What's inertia? It's the opposite of momentum. I'm not moving. I'm stuck. I'm waiting on the Lord. You know what that is? Dumb. If, wait, if your version of waiting on the Lord is sitting in your room just going, God, just come on and do something, no, that's dumb. God says engage, engage, engage. Find a way to get involved in it. I love this scripture from Luke 18, 27. The things impossible with men are possible with God. Amen? Amen. Just because it's impossible doesn't mean it's impossible. It's just impossible with men. It's not impossible because with God, all things are what? possible. Okay, here's another thing. Have you ever, have you ever kind of beat yourself up for your past? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a word of encouragement. Are you ready? The past prepared you for today. Every dumb thing you ever did prepared you to not do it again. Well, I never thought about it like that. Well, that's because you're thinking negative. You're playing the old tape. You know, you go like, I'm not doing that again. Have you ever had that happen to you? You did something stupid. I'm not doing that one again. Why? It was stupid. I didn't like the outcome. So what you want to do is say, take your past and go, look, everything in my past is gold for my future. It's just pure gold. Now, how do I build on that? How do I launch that into my future? I love these words from F.M. Alexander. He said, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. Ouch. I mean, if I just had an opportunity, you've had a hundred you let slip. Am I wrong? If I just had some money, that wouldn't help. If I just, if I could just, no, it's not that. What do you have? 
Take what you have and build with it. I love that story of Mother Teresa when she wanted to start an orphanage in India and all the officials in the Catholic Church, they said, what are you going to do? She sa- they said, you don't have any money. She said, I have two pennies. And they laughed at her. Probably the last laugh they got. They laughed at her. They said, with two pennies, you can't do anything. She said, with two pennies and God, I can do anything. What's your two pennies? Put it with God. See what God will do with it. Amen? Let your habits. What are you doing every day to reach that dream? What are you doing to to accomplish what you want in your life? It's It's a daily thing. Every day, I'm going to do this. Even if it's 10 minutes a day, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And it's going to propel you into that. That's what Joshua had to do. Every day he's in the wilderness, he's walking around, and he's hearing land filled with milk and honey. I want to go there because the land I'm in is not filled with that stuff. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to envision myself living in that land. I'm going to strengthen myself for living in that land. I'm going to mentally project myself into that land. You see, your expectations are generally true, whether they're positive or negative. Your expectations are generally true. I just expect to fail. You will. I promise you. Yeah, you you have just written your future. Well, I just think it's going to be hard. It will. I just can't do it. Well, get started. Amen? Look what it says here in Joshua chapter 6, verses 3 and 5. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall do it six days. But on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. You know what hit me? You know what the seventh day is? Sabbath day in the Jewish calendar. I thought you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day. Have you ever seen that in the Scripture? He's got them doing the most work on the Sabbath day, the day they weren't supposed to work. What is happening here? Because you see, your warfare is your worship. You're not working when you're worshiping. The other thing that's really interesting here is I always in my mind thought you had all the worship team out front then the Ark of the Covenant, and then all the soldiers. But if you look at the text carefully, it is the men of valor, the, the fighters that are out front, then the priests blowing the, the musical instruments, then the Ark of the Covenant, then the people, and then men of, of valor at the back. So let me ask you something. Are you a man of valor? Gentlemen, I'm speaking to you. Are you out front leading? Are you gonna engage the enemy first? Are you sending your wife out ahead? I don't really know much about that stuff. I leave that to my wife. Right? Well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Unless your wife can beat you up, you should definitely lead. Amen? I'm just saying. And it says, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast on the ram's horn. Now, remember, I'm sitting here going, this is God's plan. We're going to march around the city one time each day for six days. On the seventh day, we're going to march around it seven times, and then we're going to blow from a ram's horn. Have you ever heard a ram's horn? Not a pretty sound. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will shout with a great shout, then the wall will fall down flat. 
That's God's plan. I don't know about you, but I, don't, I, don't, I would not come up with that plan. Would you come up with that plan? No, no, nobody in this room would come up with that plan. That's a God plan. Do you know that God knows something about architecture that we don't know in that day? You see, what they did was, when they, there was actually two walls that surrounded Jericho. There's one wall here, and then a lower wall here. And what happened was, all the people had surrounded themselves on the upper wall. This is what archaeology has discovered. They had all circled themselves on the upper wall. And they're watching, and you can imagine how the anticipation would grow. Here come those crazy Jews again. They're marching around our city. And they're up on that upper wall, and they're all leaning over the upper wall. They're looking at all these crazy Jews walking around. And guess what? Here they come the next day. Second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and now it's the seventh day. Hey, 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 everybody, get up here. Something's changed. Whole city, come up. They're going two. Oh, three. They're going three times, four times, five times, six times. And they're leaning over this wall. And then the trumpet blows. Have you ever had anybody like made a loud noise for you when you're not expecting it? I love to scare my wife. I love to, to come in. It's just the thrill of my life. To sneak in when she's not expecting and go, hey. And then she jumps. She goes, Why do you do that? Because I enjoy it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is like fun to scare people, right? And she got me the other day. It wasn't so much fun. But anyway, so they're leaning. They're leaning over this wall, right? They're leaning over this wall. Then the, then the ram's horn blows. Now, this horrible sounding ram's horn blows. And it says the walls fell flat. Well, if you know something about the construction, which we do now because of the excavations of Jericho, you know that those walls were not designed to, to withhold the pressure on the top. So what happened when they leaned against the walls, the walls all came collapsing down. They hit the second wall. They collapsed. It made a perfect siege ramp up into Jericho. You see, sometimes the miracles of God or the way he works in your life in the common things. Rarely when you need a new set of tires do they come falling out of heaven. Usually somebody helps you get them or you get a good deal. That's my point. Sometimes the miracles of God are so supernatural that you can't even put your finger on them. Some of them have an explanation, but it, it requires divine strategy for you to get there. That's what happened to Jericho. It's an amazing story, and when you read the story, here's, here's a couple of things I want you to think about. You will live up or down to your expectations. I want you to think, what's your expectations for life right now? God, everybody get it in your mind. Just some expectation. It can be economic. It can be educational. It can be anything you want professionally. What is your expectation? Just draw the line right now. That's your baseline. You got it? How many of you got it? Raise your hand if you've got some baseline. You don't have to tell anybody. Don't worry. We're not going to do show and tell up here. You've got it. Only like four people did that, that whole exercise? You've got a baseline right now, an expectation. Raise your hand if you've got something in your mind right now and keep them up. And then look at the people around you who don't have any vision. <laughs> all right, now you want to raise your hand now? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Okay, now. Now here's what I want you to do. Okay, you can put your hand up. Now here's what I want you to do. Take that baseline I want you just to raise it 5%. Do you realize that's all it takes to get to the next level? 
You don't have to double it, triple it, quadruple it. You just have to raise it 5%. And when you hit that one, you do it again. You see, because real growth comes incrementally, it doesn't come in giant steps all the time. Sometimes you'll get lunged into something that is huge, but usually you have to go in small little increments and you have to go there and go there and go there and go there. But if you go there every day, you'll get there, amen? You're gonna live up to your expectations, whatever they are. You're gonna either live up, you're gonna live down. Do what you've never done to achieve your goal. You know, most people keep doing the same things thinking it's gonna work better. What you have to do is like, what have I not done? Well, I haven't marched around the city seven times, and I'm using this as an analogy of, of life. What have you not done to take you to the next level, your family, professionally, financially, what would it take for you to get there? Let your mind start going, amen? All right, next, focus on completion of your dream. All of us are daydreamers to some degree. I was the best. In fact, I was written up in almost every report card I ever got. He does not focus. He's a daydreamer. I didn't never thought that was a negative thing. I thought that was a positive thing. I just knew more than the teachers. That's the reason I wasn't focused, right? Like most boys, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're just dumb. Teacher's dumb. I know what's going on there. Joshua 6 and 7, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests bear the trumpets, the ram's horns, before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed, march around the city, and let him is, who is advanced, uh, who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. Then go to 620. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. Can I tell you this? Your power is anchored in the unseen. That's where your power is. Let me give you a scripture. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you look to your skills and your bank accounts for your success, then it will be very explainable what you achieve in life. If you look to God, it will be unexplainable. You want to see God work. I mean, Tammy was so excited, just the fact that she had it in her mind, she carried it out, she, she took the initiative, drew through the idea to her, and how, how thrilling is it to know that you carry out an idea and you see it become a reality? What if she just said, I've only got a week, no big deal, I've got a great lineup? See, the thrill comes in seeing God work. I see me work all day long. That's boring. I want to see God work. Amen? I want to see God work. Persistence creates an atmosphere of faith. Persistence. One of the great keys for faith is persistence. Stick with it. Stay with it. I'm believing God for this, 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 and this. Amen? All right, so you've got to, you've got to act. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And we're going to put this into practice, okay? What you've heard it may be that God just spoke one thing to you. He said, this is for you, Phil. I didn't hear 99% of the sermon. That's okay. If you heard one thing and you can use it in your life, that's all that matters. Amen? This is not about drinking from the fire hose. This is about finding out what do I need and how do I act on it today? That's all it is. God, I'm gonna use that. That's it, that's it. Now, don't lose it. 
because inspiration without application becomes frustration. I'm inspired. Now apply it, and you're going to see all this stuff begin to happen in your life in a marvelous way. So bow your heads, just close your eyes. This will keep you from looking around, trying to figure out what's going on in the service. That's why we have kids bow their heads and close their, put their hands together. Don't be messing with the food. All right, you got it? A little focus, a little concentration. God, just ask God this. What's the one thing that I heard today from you that inspired me to do something with? Okay, once you got it in your mind, now just say, okay, God, now show me how can I apply that to my life. Just give me one thing I can do to apply that to my life today. It might be as simple as writing it down. It might be telling someone. It might be actually engaging and doing something. But remember, what you're trying to do is you're trying to put yourself in a position where you're living the most fulfilled life you can because you're doing what aligns with your passion and it is for God's glory and for the good of all those around you. That's what you're trying to do. This is not a selfish thing. This is a very sharing thing, a very positive thing because you want to live out the way that God created you in his image in the best possible way. Amen? All right, now you got it in your mind. Now just thank God in your own words. Just thank God right now. You can just say it out loud. Just thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God for that. Got it? Okay, now what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship. We're gonna sing another song. And as we do, let this, let whatever God showed you just kind of seal it in your heart. And then I also wanna remind you, all you lung ladies that that your ticket's free, just go back there, tell them you, that Pastor Phil's paying for it, and I will. I'll write the check, I promise you. I won't cop you. I'm not gonna be a cheapo on this one. I'm gonna honor it, okay? Because I think you need to be there. Amen?